Hello, and welcome to the Indie Dotes, a podcast for independent creators. I'm Susan Bond, the host of Indie Dotes. Today, I have someone um, I'm really excited to have on, uh, Chris Parsons. Um, he's an independent video game designer and a team consultant. Um, he's also, you may know him from uh, Soul Trader, uh, a, a game he uh, produced uh, a couple of years ago, and he's now working on a new game, um, Elder Light. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me. I guess I'm curious. I just want to know where did the the what was the genesis of um, of Elder Light? This particular story, um, it kind of came from thinking a little bit more about identity and who we are, and thinking about uh, how uh, life kind of uh, really works. I suppose that the people who do the best often seem to be the people who have a surest sense of purpose and uh, a kind of a vision for their lives. And, and they're the ones who seem to get the most stuff done, uh, whether it's good or bad, those are, those are the people to watch. So, so for me, it was more thinking about, okay, how about we have this kind of uh, spiritual being that tells people who they are and that kind of directs people's lives and they can choose to do what they like with that, whether or not that's good or for bad, if you see what I mean. So that's kind of the genesis of it. And um, and then that kind of naturally fed into some of the other ideas that I've had for, for my previous game, which was all around history creation. Uh, so the idea of being able to uh, kind of procedurally generate uh, an entire history in society was one that I put together for my previous game. And it kind of lends itself pretty well to this idea as well. So so kind of fusing all of those ideas together. And that's where Elder Light comes from. That's so great. Now, I, I we won't get too deep into the game today. Um, but I, I do have an interesting question um, about, okay, so you said that there's the spiritual being that gives people ident- their identity, correct? Yes. And so as a player, am I that spiritual being or am I a person who's been given an identity? No, you're, you're kind of like a regular person who at mm. the beginning of the game finds out that they actually were lost as a child and they discover that their parents are not who they thought they were which means that they really have no identity or they don't know what their identity is and then soon after that they meet uh, the elder light which is the the being in the game and they find out that they have to they have to discover who they are and who their real family is Um, and by doing that they kind of find uh gain more powers gain more abilities in the game and that's kind of how the game progresses and they also they find out exactly what happened to them in the past and and that's the same every game so that's like a story thread that runs through the game uh, which i'm not going to reveal now because it would be a massive spoiler but basically it, yeah, no they spoilers. find out who yeah they find out who they are and um, why they were lost as a child and then that helps them in their in their kind of quest for life but i'm not going to say anything more about that at this point I have chills. I totally want to play this game. <laughs> and so tell me, um, how far are you in the development of Elder Light? Sure. So it's about three or four months in part-time at the moment. So I put together a, a sample map and a sample combat demo, which I'm working really hard on at the moment to make it, uh, to kind of polish it up and ready for release so that people can play it and have fun with it. Um, and I think that'll help the Kickstarter campaign. By the time this podcast goes out, I think the Kickstarter campaign will be concluded one way or the other. But um, but yeah, at the moment it's live and running. So I'm um, my plan is to get a demo out there so that people can play it and see what they think. Well, yeah, so let's talk about that. So you're funding this, uh, your hope is to fund this through a Kickstarter campaign, yes? That's right, yeah. Okay, so tell me a little bit more about 
the Kickstarter campaign, how it came about, all that kind of stuff. And where sure, sure. So I've run two Kickstarter, sorry, two Kickstarter campaigns before this. Uh, I've run uh, one for Soul Trader, which didn't work out well. Um, I raised um, uh, around about ten thousand um, pounds, but that wasn't enough. Uh, in about January 2015 and then I went on Kickstarter again and raised a similar amount of money but succeeded this time uh, in September 2015 and I thought that was pretty good for a kind of unproven game an unknown developer um, just a few cool ideas really and I think that um, it obviously caught some attention and found a bit of a niche on Kickstarter and that was one of the best things about being on it really the idea that you can find people who who really care about your game like really care about it or really care about your product uh, to the point at which they're prepared to pay pretty good money for it you know the average amount of money that people have given to Soul Trader on Kickstarter was 17 pounds so what's that like about 22 23 dollars which is much more than most people would pay for a video game regularly off the kind of you know when they buy it on Steam um, and at the moment Elderlight is running at around about 27 pounds so that's like 34 dollars or thereabouts 35 dollars which means that uh, the average amount of money people are paying is much higher than I would normally see for any particular indie game now obviously mm. you get fewer backers but that kind of shows you the level of buy-in that you get uh, from Kickstarter and the kind of quality of people that you can kind of get engaged in your product which is what I really like about it yeah it's so great I've never run a Kickstarter campaign but I've always kind of fantasized about it I haven't had an occasion to but I've fantasized about it yeah. and I, you know running one myself and I'm sure there's lots of folks who are curious about absolutely you know what it's like and and you know so I'm curious like what did you learn um, what lessons did you learn from your first forays that you take it you've you taken into elder life? So preparation is everything. You have to be really, really well prepared to, to to have any chance of success at all really. I think the general feeling is that Kickstarter isn't that crowded at the moment, but but people are, are kind of unless you get it really right, um, I think that people are kind of they're going to dismiss you. You know, they they're quite jaded about Kickstarter campaigns. There have been a number of high-profile campaigns that just haven't gone well, right? So, oh, yeah. I think mm -hmm. that that has meant that it's much harder uh, now to kind of convince people that you're worthy of their time and money. Uh, so that that is a that is an issue, and I think. Uh, that I've realized that the quality of the campaign just has to be right up there uh, and it's worth spending an extra two, three months and delaying things in order to make sure that that's, that that's in place. The other thing is you can't simply relaunch Kickstarter campaign and sit back and, and think that people are going to turn up and look at your campaign. They just don't do that. So you have to really make sure that you've got a really good marketing campaign in place before you start. Yeah, and so um, so what was the what's been the marketing campaign that you've done for Elderly? Sure. So I ran a press list and a mailing list. I've run a couple of competitions, um, but beforehand I uh, emailed about forty or fifty different people, just saying, "Hey, you want to check out? Might want to check out my game." Um, a lot of those were cold emails, but they were personal, so uh, sending them out to people's public email addresses for various journalists and press and people like that, people who are just kind of interested in this kind of stuff, uh, and just press, sending them out. The press folks. Press, mm -hmm. but also kind of key industry people really who might be interested in sharing a link to it or something like that so so you're just trying to get people excited about it in the week or two before the game uh, came out on kickstarter and that worked really well i got a an article in one of the uk's biggest uh, games magazines rock paper shotgun uh, on the launch day about 20 minutes after launch they posted that so that was great and got it a lot of attention really early on so it started really really well 
Yeah, yeah, and we, I, I should say that uh, you live in the UK, so... That's right. Uh, <laughs> I should have announced that in the beginning, so that kind of... Uh, I guess the pounds would have uh, given us a, yeah, yeah, a sure. hint there. But um, So, um, and how did you find those journalists or those media, those key industry folks to email them? What was your process like? So uh, a lot of them I already had on a mailing list that I used for Soul Trader. So uh, that was fairly straightforward uh, to just reuse. But originally it was really just trawling internet um, magazine sites and finding authors' names and email addresses. They're all published and on the web. Um, and often sites also publish a tips email address that you can send anything to. So so just kind of really approaching uh, people uh and just asking them to, s to see whether they like the game or see whether they'll talk about the game. I mean, it's as simple as that, really. Um, from Soul Trader, a, num a number of press had already reviewed it anyway, so they'd been in touch, um, so that had been fine. And also just going to shows, exhibiting the game at shows, press people do turn up and wander around and we'll talk to you. So so those kind of um, uh, that kind of approach has worked okay for me so far. And I I'm just curious, you know, What's the response rate like when you, you know, send this to folks maybe who are cold? I mean, is pretty it low? Yeah, I was going to say. say high rejection is probably kind of yeah, what I expected. Yeah, pretty low. I think um, uh, you often don't hear anything back, um, but you, the ones you do hear back, they're really useful and worthwhile. So it's it's kind of something you just have to do, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. And so now uh, the Kickstarter is how far along? Hmm. So we're about two weeks in, so about halfway, and yep. we're about a quarter of the way funded. Okay. So I'm not sure it's going to work. We'll have to see. Um, and uh, if it doesn't, then I'll have to do something else, but but um, or find another way of doing it. But um, at the moment, it's been it's been a good, positive experience. Anyway, I've found a lot of fans. Uh, I've got had a, thousands of views on my videos, and so in even just that raising awareness is really useful. And through that, I've also contacted a whole bunch of publishers who can kind of see the the finished form on the Kickstarter and maybe decide whether or not they might want to publish it, uh, which would be a kind of independent way of getting the money to, to make oh. the game. Yeah, well, that was my question. So if you don't get funded, what, what next? So I'm going to kind of polish it up and get it to a position where uh, the combat demo is, is I'm really happy with and that I feel like it really demonstrates the game I'm doing that at the moment. Um, if the Kickstarter doesn't get funded, it, that really just goes out to publishers at that point and to see what they say. Um, I have uh, ongoing discussions with two or three. Um, publishers at the moment who are taking a look at it and seeing what they think and and if they like it enough to want to fund it then we'll, then we'll go with that um, if not then I'm not quite sure this game is a tricky game to fund on your own unlike the previous one why is um, that be just because it's written in Unreal Engine 4 so it's um, the way it looks because it's 3D uh, that requires uh, a lot of art assets so a lot of artist input in order to make it really well so it costs money to to pay artists to be able to create uh, materials and models and textures and all of the stuff you need uh, to make a kind of polished uh, game on Unreal Engine. And I've chosen to use Unreal Engine because I wanted it to look good, but that does mean that there's kind of like a minimum amount of money I need to spend uh, in terms of budget in order to get the game made. So, you know, mm. that that's just a decision that I've made um, in order to do that. But also the previous game, Soul Trader, that took like four years to write. Um, with wow. minimal kind of um, input from other people and I'm not really sure I want to do that again uh, you know I'm, I'm uh, just keenly aware that you know I don't want to spend the you know the 
whole of my 40s writing a video game, if you see what I mean, uh, when <laughs> yeah, I spent most of time. my 30s writing another one. So mm. I feel like uh, I prefer to to kind of get a project done with lots of kind of people and a slightly higher velocity. It's just more fun and it's less kind of grinding and it's just easier to stay motivated if you're working on a project for say 18 months with a little team. So that's that's what I'm keen to do really. If I have to save a bunch of money and self-fund it, then I, that's a possibility. But then if I can't get people to publish it, then perhaps I'm making the wrong game and I have to really seriously mm. consider that maybe I need to make a slightly different game so, in order to appeal to mm, more people. So many little drops of wisdom that you put in there. I'm like, which one to pick up first? Yeah, I mean, that's interesting that, that Soul Trader, you worked on yourself, but this game, it, it sounds like you wanted, you know, there's a different, um, you know, using different kind of uh, software and tools and the way you want it to look. That's really interesting that you wanted to change that. And it does take real money, right? These things, it takes a team. So you're building it, but it's gonna take a team. For how many people? Yeah, so I'm thinking around about four or five people, um, not full time, but certainly that kind of level of input, because to be honest, the skills that you need aren't found in one person. Right. You, know, you need designers, you need texture artists, you need character artists, you need landscape artists, you need particle artists. So in order to get all of these different people, you need kind of like part timers uh, all across the board. And I've mostly put together that team. I still need a particle artist, but but um, I've got a composer, I've got character artists and landscape artists and GUI artists. So so it's kind of in place and ready to go. I just need the money to be able to pay them, really. Um, well, so that's the wait, main thing. What's a particle artist? Someone who produces particle effects. So they take... Mm. Um, a kind of an engine like Unreal and they would produce a really realistic looking smoke effect or fire effect. Ah. So that's not at all a full-time role for a game like this, but it would be, I would need some kind of a few days worth of input um, every so often in order to make that work. Oh, interesting. I mean, I love video games, but I've never designed them. So I don't know all these, uh, I don't know all these, I'm not familiar with all these terms. Um, and have you already been working with these folks? Have they already, you know, already, they already been working like to create yeah. the demo or no? Yeah. So the demo uh, was the result of about five different people having input. So one guy has worked on the characters, another guy's worked on the, the kind of environment and the landscape modeling of the village that's done. Another person has put together all of the amazing concepts that we've got together. Um, there's sound as well and uh, music which has been done for the game as well. And I've tended to do all of the code and the, the design for the game. Uh, so yeah, so that team has been working and I've already put money into the to what we've got so far to, to see to get it to this point. Yeah, and I'm curious, what's the difference between like Soul Trader, you worked by yourself and now Elder yeah. Light, you've already, you know, worked with a smaller team. What do you say, maybe what were the differences and, you know, between between them? Um, in terms of why I picked a team? No, or just, or just like, how, what, what, what was it like to start building a game with a team now when before you've done it on your own? Oh, it's it, much more any, fun with a team. More fun, okay. So, yeah. Were there any things that were hard about it? Uh, yeah, I spend an awful lot of my time just talking to people on Slack. <laughs> to be honest, there's a, mm. there's there is just more of that. Like when the when the team was running full throttle around about uh, two three months ago, uh, getting this demo together for the Kickstarter, it was it, it was just constant you know discussion and chatting and, and trying to get everyone on on the same page. And and actually, because the team is scattered all over the world, it's it's quite a challenge to be able to pull everybody together and get them focused around a goal. And I found that to be uh, take a quite a lot of effort to to cast enough vision for the game across lots of time zones so that people can really get a sense that they're part of something bigger. Yeah, where are your folks? So my uh, artists are in the Philippines, in uh, Brazil and Colombia, and my uh, 
uh, sorry, concept artist in Colombia, my uh, my marketing uh, person who's kind of doing all the marketing for the campaign is in the UK in Bristol, and my composer is based in Bournemouth, also in the UK. So it is a bit of a stretch. It's probably three three or four time zones at any one I, time. I was, I was trying to add that, but I'm like, that's, that's a lot of time zones. Yeah, we've got three time zones at least. Uh, that, that may shuffle around as I've kind of put together the final team, assuming that I get funding somehow. Uh, I think time zones will be a factor in terms of who I actually pick to be the final team. Yeah, I mean, you know, so so you were doing a lot of the meetings by Slack. Um, very many in-person meetings, or mostly no, hardly any. So yeah. um, most of the team I've never met, um, although I've spoken to them all on Slack. Um, mm-hmm. But um, but only one of them is a, someone who I've known for a while, who's the composer Andy, uh, who I've known for a while. So so I meet up with him. But everybody else is is people I've just found on the internet through their portfolios, who've done great work before, and just kind of seeing whether they can help me out. Yeah, so they were like specialists. Had, you know, maybe you hadn't met them, but they kind of had a specialization in the video yeah, exactly. game world. Yeah, yeah which yeah, makes yeah. a lot of sense. Um, and so, um, uh, in terms of the Kickstarter campaign, I'm curious, uh, what's been the biggest challenge with that so far? Uh, I think um, just keeping momentum going. I think it's been it's been a real challenge to do that. I think with Kickstarter, if you hit on an idea of a game that there's a gap in the market for that everybody loves, it goes really fast and it's very exciting and everything moves. For mine, I think that I hit, I've hit i hit a niche, which is good, but that means that the people who like it love it because I've got, like I said, an average uh, pledge amount of £27. So that's like $33. It's quite high. So I have hit a niche, but the issue is trying to find the people. Uh, that want to um, play the game. So just trying to get it out to as many different uh, people as possible has been a real challenge. And what uh, are so you doing to do now that it's launched? What what are your how would you, what's your marketing like? Sure. For now? So continuing to email more press people, finding just trying to get it uh, covered on different sites. Uh, lots of updates. I've posted it to Reddit. It, it did pretty well on the roguelike subreddit uh, yesterday. And um, Imaker, how do you pronounce that? Um, IMG you are it also uh, went out and did pretty well on there yesterday too so so it's just kind of a a question of trying to find enough of the right type of people who who kind of like this game now it could be that the niche for this game is too small uh, in terms of the people who are prepared to back it by Kickstarter and that's quite useful information uh, because if it's not if it's not the right game then I'm going to need to change it so that it is the right game yeah, so getting yeah, keeping the momentum and getting the word out there. I mean, how, I'm curious about how much time you spend, you know, marketing the game right now during the Kickstarter. Sure. So a lot of the time at the moment is, is being spent coding on the demo in order to try and uh, if I put a, together a demo that I can release, my feeling is is that that will tip a number of people over the edge in terms of wanting to support it or not. So ah. I spend a lot of my time doing that. Um, so that you know, the idea is that if people play it or see that there's a demo, think, oh, you know, maybe this is worth covering. Plus, it gives me something else to say halfway through the campaign. So the issue is, is that you can't keep saying the same thing. Uh, right. You can't keep saying the Kickstarter's out, the Kickstarter's out, because that's boring. But if you <laughs> right. have something else to say, that means you can do the whole kind of round again of different things. Right. Um, there's uh, something new to yeah. announce, something new to talk exactly. about. So. When do you think the demo will be? Oh, that's a great question. The problem is, is I keep fiddling with the design of the combat. So, ah. uh, and, and that's a dangerous thing to do. Uh, but I'm, I'm reasonably happy with it now. I've been working on it today and I'm doing a live stream tomorrow. My hope is that I will be able to release it tomorrow. It's more likely to be Thursday. Uh, that's just to kickstart a backers to kind of uh, do a little bit of a beta. 
um, and then it'll be out at the end of the week to everybody else uh, hopefully in time for the weekend so people can have a play with it over the weekend uh, Very if exciting. I don't get it out then to be honest it's not it's going to be a little late because it'll it's only got two weeks left to run on the campaign and uh, you know that's just not long enough so I may just have to release what I've done it's not going to be perfect but it's going to be enough hopefully yep just got to ship it yeah. um <laughs> So that you can ship the rest of it later with funding. Yeah. Um, and so I'm curious about um, how much help, you know, how much help Kickstarter has been. Do they have a lot of useful you yeah. know, documents and help center or do they have, have you found groups, you know, just to like, you know, because you're very obviously you've run Kickstarter campaigns before. It's mm. your third one. But, you know, you obviously have a wealth of knowledge about it and you have some understanding of where you are in the process and all of that. I'm just curious if they're, you know, about the support. So Kickstarter's been really helpful. They've actually reached out to me anyway. Um, so the head oh. of game, Kickstarter Gaming, Anya, reached out because I think what they do is they spot people who have launched projects that they've starred before, so projects that they love, that's what they call them. Um, and if you start a new project along those lines, they get in touch and say, hey, you know, how can we help? So that's been really good um, because I think there's a quite a small subset of projects that actually launch in that way. Um, you know who the projects that they actually take notice of and and, and um, highlight on the site. So so Annie's how, been very how helpful. How do they how do they help you? So she was very helpful in terms of um, making sure that it was placed well and featured on the site. Um, mm. So they they literally put it in in more places on the Kickstarter website. So that was great. Also, just loads of ideas about finding your audience. Um, you know, maybe she said about you know doing live streams for gaming is really important. Um, having a demo is really important, which I've now learned. And uh, you know, going to local meetups, uh, things like that, uh, have been just bits of advice that that she can share. That's um, great. Know, it's been that's been really really helpful. So so I've really benefited from that. And I love that they have somebody who's specifically in your area, not just a general person. They yeah, I think this. that there are enough projects on the site to uh, to kind of make sure that they've got different people. I mean, obviously, it's in their interest for the campaign to succeed, so they want to uh, help people as much as possible. That's so fantastic. I, I, I love that. And so are there other, besides Kickstarter, are there, you know, I don't know if there are forums or Facebook groups or Slack groups for other folks who have done Kickstarter campaigns or are doing them? Um, there's a lot of information on the Kickstarter website. They've got a, a kind of like a Kickstarter campus where you can learn about uh, all the different things you could learn. And they've got question and answers there and lots of people pitching in for advice and stuff like that. So I think it's mostly on there uh, that people tend to go to uh, figure out uh, what they need to do for their campaign. And I spent a lot of time on there just looking at different bits of advice, like, for example, shipping costs. You know, how do you manage shipping costs? How do you manage international yeah. shipping? How do you manage import and export duties? How do you manage, um, you know, backer engagement? Uh, you know, how do you handle the kind of mid um, campaign slump, which I'm currently in? Uh, that kind of thing, you know, just trying to figure out uh, a lot of the answers to that. That's so, wow. I mean, I, I hear you say all of those things and it, it's like learning a whole new job, it almost sounds it like. It does feel a little bit like it. It isn't for the faint of heart, I have to say. <laughs> it's um, Yeah, tell me more. What do you mean by that? Well, to be honest, it's a massive emotional roller coaster running a Kickstarter campaign. You know, I, mm. I got the first £5,000 within, I don't know... Um, about 12 hours maybe 18 hours and that was very exciting you know yeah. seeing the money coming in like that it was great um, currently at £10,000 and that was 
and it's been running for about 16 days so that kind of shows you how much it slowed down um, so it, it's fine it's just um, keeping you know keeping uh, on top of your emotions is really important so overnight um, I, I woke up this, uh, in the middle of the night about four in the morning because you, you do when you're running a campaign because you worry about it and you check your phone and I saw that someone had given £500 for the campaign and I was absolutely over the moon um, so that was very exciting couldn't go back to sleep and then this morning at 10 o'clock I had somebody cancel an £80 pledge another person cancel a um, you know, £40 pledge and I was right back down You know, even though the net is positive uh, I was right back down on an emotional low again. So it's just like, you know, you kind of, people cancel for all sorts of different reasons and it's it's usually not your fault, um, you know, but I, I sometimes think, you, you think, oh, is it something I said? Why have they why have they gone? Right. You know, and I did start interviewing. Uh, so I, I, I try and send anyone who cancels a pledge um, of any size, I try and say, uh, send them a message and say, hey, you know, was it something I said? <laughs> or can you give me any feedback is kind of what I actually say. And, and usually so it's it, like it's things like, oh, uh, um, it was uh, because I have got less money this month than I thought and, uh, you know, I just can't afford it. It's usually that. Um, but it's very rare that people cancel pledges because they you've said something or you've put something out that, that they don't like. Right. Well, I mean, I recently canceled a pledge. I mean, I've been, you know, backing Kickstarter projects for a long time and I'm a big fan. And uh, I canceled one simply because I found a, a, you know, a different product that I liked a little bit better. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, you know, and, and it was another Kickstarter. It, the product I ended up getting was the, I don't know if you've heard about it. It's, made, it's been making the news, the, uh, the anxiety blanket. Um, uh, no, I haven't seen that. It's like though. a weighted blanket. Oh, I mean, it like blew out of the water, and you know, it's been it's been featured in a little bit of mainstream media. But you know, I, you know, I just changed it for something else, and they never wrote me. It's interesting. I've only canceled a couple pledges, um, mostly because I found something better. I realized like I don't really need this, and I need yeah. to put my money somewhere else right now. Yeah, and um, I get that, and I do and the I'm, same. So you sometimes you have to cancel. Yeah, and uh, I've and never had okay. somebody write me back. I didn't know that they, you know, like I know, like, it, let's say, like, if you look at email marketing, when someone unsubscribes, you really aren't supposed to write them again. But I guess in Kickstarter, if they cancel, there's no rules. No, it's not can. like email marketing. So you can yeah. you can send them a quick message on Kickstarter saying, hey, thanks for thanks for supporting it. Sorry to see you go, but don't worry about it. Any any feedback, you know, is, is what I tend to say. And I think it's because I'm... A reasonably small. Uh, I tend to run smaller campaigns. I don't have tens of thousands of subscribers where you'd get cancellations every day. So you know, I probably only had I forget exactly, maybe a dozen. So it's quite easy for me to just just check in with those guys. And I've heard back from. I did that with Soul Trader. I haven't done it so much for this one because with the Soul Trader campaign, when I checked in, people were like, "Oh, thanks for writing," but it was just that it was you know the wrong time of the month for me. I couldn't afford it or whatever it was, and so I stopped writing after a while. The other thing that I do is anytime anyone gives me any kind of significant <coughs> pledge, which, you know, kind of a few hundred pounds or, you know, a hundred or 200 pounds, I always write to them and say, thank you. I think that's really important. Oh, that's so, so great. So, you know, write them a little message saying, hey, I just really appreciate your generous pledge. You know, that really helps. Because to be honest, you know, it's great to have people who's pledged like 15, 20 pounds to get the game. When someone pledges 100 or 200 or 500, that's really exciting. <laughs> you know, that really makes right. you... Uh, it really encourages you as a backer. So uh, I always feel like it's it's worthwhile telling people that how much I appreciate it when they do that. Well, right, because there's a big difference there. That That's a very strong, you know, they're strongly behind you if they're exactly, willing to put yeah. that level of money, you yeah. know, at there. So um, that's great. You know, and thinking, talking about backers, what I'm, I'm curious about, 
The thing I'm always really curious about, when I look at a campaign, I watch the video and I look through, <clears throat> one of the first things I do is I look at all of the backer levels. And sure. partially because I'm trying to figure out, you know, do I want to back it at what level, but I'm also really curious about how you figure them out. And I'm wondering sure. if you could give us a little bit of like, I'd love an insight on how you figured out your level, levels for Ellen um, Great question. So the first and most obvious thing is how much is this going to cost me? Um, so if it's a physical reward, there is going to be a cost to that. And I have to factor that into the price. So uh, is it going to have shipping? Is it going to be international shipping? Am I going to include shipping, um, for example? So I would always, I would always figure that out first and then I would mentally take that off any reward that I give because that is effectively um, uh, any reward level uh, that 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 just makes sure that I'm dealing with profit and not revenue which is important the mm -hmm. um, the other thing that I would do is try and ask lots of friends to figure out what's valuable so for this game for a video game on Kickstarter, there's a kind of a standard way of doing things so that uh, you give away the game, uh, well, you don't give away the game, you effectively sell the game for, say, either $15 or $20 usually, um, usually a little bit more for early access, a little bit more for soundtrack, a little bit more for uh, maybe some uh, extra DLC uh, type, or not, not necessarily uh, extra uh, gameplay changes, but more just... Uh, stuff to do with cosmetic enhancements so people feel special when they're playing a game so that's a pretty standard mm. thing to do and I discovered th this was standard because I looked at lots of video game kickstarters and tried to get ideas from them so that's basically how it worked well that's what I was wondering when you say fairly standard it wasn't um, it's not like kickstarter gave you any sort of guidelines it was just your no. you going out and looking at all yeah these I looked games. at a lot of different campaigns campaigns that I really like the look of campaigns I've backed myself um, but then I just put them out, put a put a set together, and asked friends, and just said, "Hey, what do you guys think?" I also surveyed my Kickstarter backers from the previous campaigns at least twice, uh, because they're obviously the core target audience, and there were five, six hundred of them. So that gave me a chance to. Firstly, I kind of ran the game idea by them to see what they thought. Um, to see if they thought it was interesting and the second time I just ran the whole campaign by them about two weeks before it went live and just said what do you guys think I also sent out a preview link for the campaign to to all of the kind of influencers that I knew and all of the press people I knew because it gave them a chance to see the campaign before it went live and that kind of feels good um, so there's that also it gets them on your side but also it's um, around uh, the idea of just kind of getting feedback as much as possible and as early as possible Got it. So that that's really that's really great that you, you know. So there aren't. It's not like Kickstarter gives you guidelines for how to set your your backer. They do levels. give you some vague guidelines, but not but specifically. Yeah. I mean, they basically say be careful about how much stuff costs, like shipping. Um, so if you're shipping heavy books, for example, make sure that you factor in international shipping charges into that. So I did a lot of work on that. Um, but they also say. You know, make sure you're giving away stuff that's valuable, you know, and figure out what's valuable to your backers. So for me, it all centers around being in the game in some way. So you can either, yeah. um, so early on, you kind of get something special and extra, like a cloak or a sword. Um, that, that it plays the same, but it just looks different and it's kind of cool. Um, but on the higher levels, you actually get to influence the content. So you get to design quests in the game. You even go so far as to being a famous character from the past where you can have a statue in the game and, um, and people can click on the plaque and below the statue read all about your life, you know, things like that. So, so that's kind of how, how I've pitched the higher tiers. Well, yeah, and, 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 you know, just for full disclosure, I'm a backer of the game. And I looked at those higher levels and I was like, oh, my gosh, those look so exciting. And then I was like, okay, reel yourself back for a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just they are, where they I are was quite, at. They're for people who have plenty of 
um, you know, kind of disposable income who really want to support it. You know, that, and I think there is a small number of people on Kickstarter who are like that, who are generous, want to see things happen, and, and are prepared yep. to give large amounts of money because they have, you know, for them, you know, they've either they've they've just they just happen to be wealthy individuals themselves, or they um, you really 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 want to support it. It's a question of priorities, really. You know, well, but obviously yeah. some of those some of those amounts are quite significant. I think my highest one is about two and a half thousand, three thousand two hundred dollars, and you know, not everyone is going to be able to afford to or want to support at that level. And I totally get that, um, but the idea is to have those there just in case. You know, I have. I've had a couple of five hundred pound backers so far at this campaign, which has been great. You what know, do they so, get at the five hundred pound backer level? Um, so the the five hundred. Let me just get this exactly right because there's an awful lot you get at that level. So let me just have a look. Sure thing. Yeah. Make sure that I can the, find. Yeah, the, I mean, there, the you know, it is. Amount yeah, it's really get. interesting. Um, you know how like because it does most of them I think are cumulative, and I think you've done a really nice job of articulating that. Um, yeah. So so at this point. Um, you know, at this point, you've already got um, the T-shirt and the number DVD box set. Um, you've also got your name in the in the ancestor pool, so you you may your name and personality may come up in the game, um, and you've got to name a rare in-game collectible item. You've also been given private Slack channel access, so the idea that you'll get onto mm. the the Slack channel of the development team, which is quite cool. Um, a handwritten yeah. note of thanks from me. Uh, which people seem to really value, <laughs> but people ask for that, so that's fine. And also, a they get to write a story that goes in a major quest. So, that's so there's kind of a lot of cool stuff at that level. Well, yeah, and especially if you're a super, you know, game enthusiast and yeah, exactly. and this sort of particular sort of game, um, I, I love it. I mean, this whole idea of dead identity is fascinating to me um but so so yeah so that that 500 and and level you know that is like a nice jump and then um sure it's, it's 500 pounds it's like 650 sorry yes i have to say pound um and so yeah, that's right. okay got it and so uh i have another question about so since you've done a, a kickstarter before have you done any sort of checking are folks who backed soul trader are they also backing elder light or do you think i'm not entirely different? sure i don't i i could check but i have to do it individually ah so yeah, it's not no i'd have to way. kind of i could download all their email addresses and match them i haven't done any of that i think that there's a, a fair chunk but it's a slightly different type of game so uh soul trader is a kind of 2d top-down science fiction game this one is a 3D fantasy game, so it isn't going to appeal necessarily to the same people. Now, I'm not entirely mm. sure if that was a good idea, <laughs> because I, you know, having built an audience, you, it makes sense to cater to that audience. But you know, I, I also did wanted to do something slightly different, so you know, you can't always do the same game. And so um, that's so that's so interesting. So you, you you expected that some might back again, but that it, it may not be uh, a large amount, given that they're quite different yeah so um at least 10 percent of people are backed based on the announcement that i sent through to the old campaign so um oh. so 10 percent of them backed it from that announcement so i know that a number of them have it's just a question of which ones i'm not sure yeah so um i actually want to go back to um the emotional roller coaster sure right so is it you know so it feels like it's like up and down every day like oh i'm up a bunch of you know is it is it it seems like it's like that and how do you manage that emotional roller coaster oh it's really difficult i mean just kind of checking in with friends on slack um pretty much every day um mm. just saying hey you know this is how it's going um you know not feeling great about it and they and so i have a particular friend richard who's also a video games designer 
who mm. just encourages me. He just spends his time saying, "Don't worry, you're doing great. It's going really well. It's going to be fine." You know, even if it isn't, I'm so happy. <laughs> and really you like that? You, the thing is, That's it will good. be fine. It's not. It may not get funded, but you know, I, it will be fine. There will be. You know, things will turn out okay in some way. Maybe the game won't get made, but things will turn out okay, and that's important to remember when you're in the midst of it, really, because ultimately it's your, you know, it's the next year and a half of my career that's kind of sitting there hanging in the balance, and and I'm not well, quite why? sure whether or not that's going to happen or not, and uh, you know, and and lots of money that I've put into it this year so far already, so so that's just that's stressful, and for someone to say, you know, take a long view and just kind of bring you out of yourself every so often is really important. Plus, it's important to not stop going to the gym and um, kind of not sit and refresh the page every day and actually get outside and see your oh family gosh. and you know and right. just it's very very tempting just to sit and work all day and uh you know i i just uh, i i really struggle with not doing that and i have to be really careful to do that well yeah and that uh, and that idea too of like constantly refreshing i mean gosh i could oh totally it's dreadful I mean, I think about that, you know, especially in my early days of even like sending out, you know, email campaigns and I would just sure. sit and refresh for an hour or two. And then, you know, my partner finally said, you need to stop refreshing, like send the campaign and then walk away from the phone. And, yeah. then, you know, I learned that and I stopped refreshing, and, yeah. you know, but I, I can see that because especially in this case, you know, you have this could be a real shift in your professional career right if you sure. so if you if the if elder light gets funded will you go full-time on the game or will you always yeah. be part-time so it depends on how well funded it gets so if it gets funded by the kickstarter uh, by the amount that i want um then that's around about half the budget so i will also need to go out and get grants and also um, fund that through contact work and get a publisher deal too. So I was always planning to work with a publisher, certainly on the kind of end stage marketing, um, maybe for a small percentage. Whether or not I end up fully funding the game through a publisher will depend on the campaign. So that would give me a chunk of money that would be a great starting point to full-time work on the game, if you see what I mean. And yeah. I would then um, will continue to have to do some work in order to fund the rest, but but um, I would also be looking to, to sign a, a good publisher deal, uh, which wouldn't be for the full amount off the back of that as well. Um, because if you've, if you've got a chunk of money in the bank, then a publisher is going to give you a better deal. So it's just trying to figure out the way, the right way of approaching that, really. Sure. Um, and then what if it doesn't, Elder Light doesn't get funded? Oh, I don't know. I, I <laughs> I'm sorry I to ask the hard question. It is a hard question. I have thought about it a lot. Um, immediately I'm going to have to go out and get some more work because I'm uh, from a cash flow point of view that's important um, so I would I would need to to go and do some contracting work so the game would have to go on the back burner uh, at least for the short term um, in the meantime though I have uh, the, when the campaign is finished I'll have a polished kind of packaged uh, pitch for a game uh, which I can then go and talk to publishers about I'm going I'm speaking at a, a conference in Brighton uh, the UK developer conference games developer conference so uh, that will be a great opportunity to kind of meet with publishers who might be interested in funding it um, when I kind of show it and, and I have to kind of resign myself to the fact that I may need to change the design of the game uh, in order to kind of appeal to a slightly bigger market which is a bit of a shame uh, but that may be necessary yeah, so so even if it doesn't get funded, it's not like you shelve the game. It's sort of like, well, maybe what's next? Do I need? To yeah, I would have to. Like I would have to do something. Uh, I, it would be okay. shelved, but it wouldn't necessarily be permanently shelved. I would shelve it okay. on a presentation shelf, if you see what I mean. <laughs> I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and it makes a lot of sense. This whole emotional roller coaster, because you know, this is could be a real 
turning point in your career because you know you you do consulting work and game stuff to make a yeah, living correct that's correct right and so this could be you know sort of a, a, sh- a shift over into you know m- being more full-time yeah it would be developer yeah it would which be. is which is what you want I'm, I'm hearing yeah i think so i think i'd love to idea. i'd love to at least i don't think more than a couple of years ahead but i'd love to to write this game i think it's a really great idea and i'd love to get it made so and i'd love to spend more of my time focused on doing that and also i think i would i do a lot of traveling with my consulting and i think i'm coming to a season in my life where i'd like to do a little bit less traveling so this would be a perfect way of doing that just sitting and sitting in my office and, and writing a game uh, and doing a little bit of hermit time well yeah i mean i'm really excited by elder light i mean you know i backed it i loved it right away and i i really hope it gets made um and thank you so much for spending time today oh, you're so welcome. To, uh, to talk to us about Elder Light and the, the Kickstarter campaign. And uh, fingers crossed that it gets backed. Thanks. Thanks.